So the problem is, is they're getting a thousand leads in, they're converting to 7%. We need to think about more about what we're burning, not what we're selling. Yes. Now, if you've got better tools that with the video and you can up that to 20%, guess what? You don't need so many leads. Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of The Drive. I am here in beautiful, sunny Tampa, Florida with the one, the only, Mr. Brent Williams. Brent, what's up? How yeah, you doing? Good. Good marking, to see you, man. Marking this electric pulse <laughs> into this yeah. toucan. Really nice. Toucan or tycan? Tycan, toucan. Tomato, tomato. tomato <laughs> <laughs> How no. do you want to pronounce it? I mean, you know, I get to have a lot of fun when I do these drives, and I always, yeah, I always try to find an opportunity to take something fun, fun out. And I had an opportunity to borrow this uh, Porsche Taycan, and uh, yeah, man, this thing is cool. This is really cool. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time. I know you got, you're busy, and I appreciate you taking the time to come jam with me. For everybody out there watching and listening right now, and maybe don't know much about you or kind of how you got started in the business, you know, I love kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story, A, because I'm always fascinated because I don't think anybody wakes up one day and goes, huh, I'm gonna be in the automotive industry. So let's start with that. How did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, obviously it's not in the US, but back in the UK, I used to sell cars and I built up from there to fleet manager and a regional manager for a big group that was largest group for Nissan actually, in London, on the west side of London. Um, and eventually I took over as a managing director of one of London's largest motor groups and um, yeah I went from there and you know I, I see a need for product having 45 salespeople myself and the pains and the <laughs> tribulations and the baggage and everything that comes <laughs> with salespeople I see an opportunity and um, my heart had always been to get out to the States somehow um, the UK market weren't where I really wanted to work uh, we do work in the UK market, but you know, US is our main con concentration, really. So, how, how did you come up with the idea behind Snap Cell? Was it just wake up one morning, it was like, yes, video is the future of you know, automotive engagement? No, I, I went to this big group and we were turning over around about 60 million sterling, and um, there was a lot of work to be done, obviously, a lot of culling, if you like, and thinning out the business etc but I see a big opportunity that you know giving the people to humanize uh, part mm. of the dealership before they come to the dealership because a lot of people are still scared to come in dealerships especially ladies it's a very daunting place it can be intimidating to come. it's going to be very intimidating they don't know what to expect so we started um, I'm talking about 10 12 years ago now started sending videos to our customers and um, we see a 15% lift in business um, we did take that business within six years from 60 million to 130 million and video was a big impact on that and during that time it was like mm, video is good but it needs to have a little bit more interaction with the customer like call to action buttons. yes you know how many people don't know where your store is don't know how to get there you know click of a button straight to Google Maps etc and then we just um guess from there it was a very basic solution we had at the beginning and I'm sure a lot of people listening to your podcast and know us uh, have seen us develop over the years 
Well, I, I love the fact that you bring up humanizing uh, the experience, right? I mean, you know, um, you know, over the last few years, we saw digital retailing just 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 explode, and you know that I think the original thought behind digital retailing, and people are going to go online and they're going to buy cars online, and they don't want to have to deal with people, and and you know, we come to find out that no, digital retailing is more of a, of a process. We still want to have a one-on-one -on -one human connection and you know for an industry that you know maintains over 80 percent of our engagement back to our customers is with an email black and white text just doesn't really cut it i mean i don't get to hear the person or i don't get to see them i don't see the tonality i don't get a feeling for their intent to want to serve me i mean i'm with you i mean video was a big part of my my success as a salesperson so it it, it makes sense as an industry to continue to move that now where do you kind of see the the future of you know kind of engagement overall you well, know I, I see a lot of elements in what you're saying that's probably one of the reasons why i started this business it doesn't matter how we cut this people don't trust car salesmen they don't trust the state agents they don't trust salesmen at all so they want to be sold to from a little bit of a distance mm -hmm. and i think a website proved that you know, that people wanted more information before they come a car dealership. Hence, in the last 20 years, we have actually seen the internet come up and the whole way we sell is not by newspapers anymore. Yes. You know, so this is just a natural progression of moving forward. We had chat in the early days that was a little bit start and stop, and now everyone has chat on their websites. Um, but in the future, you know, you it, the last two years has, been really really good for the car dealerships i like mm -hmm. to call it the golden times because <laughs> even though the inventory has been low there's been a lot of money in the front end on the 100 percent. yeah on the, these the, cars. the gross per unit's been, been and, huge and historically fair, fair play to the car dealers they, 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 they've made the money and everything else but i know as an owner of a business you don't want your profits and everything to go down mm -hmm. okay and inventory's coming back slowly um there's a little bit of storm coming around the corner for us uh, with potential recessions and stuff. And it's going to get a little bit more difficult. So the times of people coming in to buy a car, and I bought one myself during this time with the hands up, um, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to get harder. The hands up is not going to be that easy no more. I know when I was a car salesman, I think... So I, you didn't negotiate at all? Well, I negotiate, <laughs> but I'll probably have one hands up out of every hundred people, not yeah. nine out of ten. Yeah. That's what we're changing right now. Um, and so at Snap, so we, we, we obviously we had the walk around videos, we had the live video, we had the automated videos, you know, everything to come into one to bring that communication more direct to the customer. Just think about it. If you go and buy something yourself and you're buying a, a jacuzzi, for example, you don't just look at the picture online and buy it. What no. do you do? You go to YouTube. Or something like that. You look for the video. I want to hear you, people's opinions and ones that own it and stuff. Reviews, yeah. etc. Hence why we've got video testimonials coming within the next two weeks to go on your websites. People trust buyers. Yes. You know, what is the first link with a customer about a dealership or a car? Have you shopped there before? What are they like? Do they treat you okay? Etc. And I think sometimes we have to remember it's the buying journey that's changed, yes. not the sales process. No, I, I'm with you. In fact, I, I think the sales process is dead. Um, you know, I, I think what we're looking now is we're looking at a buying experience. You know, customers don't want to fit into a 12-point process. They want to know that they can purchase it in any way that they feel comfortable. You know, if I, if I want to do 70% of the work before I come into the dealership, 
great. If I want to do 10%, great. If I want to do 100%, there's a few out there. I mean, the last one I did was 100% online, but I, I'm in the industry, it was a replacement for the same vehicle. So, you know, it was easy, easy for me to do that. But, you know, as an industry, we're always talking about how, you know, we're a people process and technology industry. And that's how we generate an experience for our customers, the combination of our people process and our technology. Where do you see, I wanna start with people. Let's go, I'm gonna dive a little deeper down this rabbit hole because I like finding rabbit holes and going down them. Um, on the people side, what do you think of today's salespeople versus what they're gonna look like five years from now? Where's the future they've of the got, people in the business? They've got, they've got to put more effort in. I can mm. tell you, like mm. you just said, you bought your last car 100% online. I've bought my last six. And in between that six, I went in a car dealership on number six, okay? Which took me two attempts to buy and the experience, <laughs> I am not gonna go into it, but was the worst experience, buying experience I've had in my life. And I was buying a, 50, a 50K car and I was treated like, maybe I'm buying a newspaper. And um, would I go back there again? Well, no, because I canceled my order and I went and bought that car with someone else online. I didn't go to a dealership after that. Gotcha. This dealership I even went to, I told the guy exactly what I wanted. I told him I didn't want to quibble on price. He couldn't even build the car for me. In the end, I walked out and said, I'll go home, I'll build it online and send you a PDF. I sent him a PDF. <laughs> One o'clock next day, I said, did you get the PDF? He said, I haven't opened my email yet. That is someone who's not going to be in sales forever because it just won't work. But I hate to say it, um, but, well, I'll, I'll start with this disclaimer. There are some amazing people in our, in, our, in our industry that do a phenomenal job of generating an experience. But on the other hand, I still think that there's a majority of the industry because they're coming off in the last couple of years of it just being so, so easy that training, the coaching, the process, the people, and even in the people themselves, they're just, they're not putting a lot of emphasis, you know, into the overall experience. I, um, our family vehicle needed to be replaced and driving a Nissan Armada. And so I was like, all right, we're going to go something bigger this time. We're going to go a Suburban, you know, which is like one of the hardest vehicles when we were shopping at the time. One of the hardest vehicles you can find in the entire country was a, was a Suburban Z71 package, right? Like just the hardest one out there to find. I submitted probably 10, you know, form fills, you know, saying, hey, look, this is what I'm looking for. If you got it or if I need to order it, just please get back to me. I had two of them actually get back to me. And, you know, by the time I got talking to them, there just there was such this nonchalant of, yeah, it'll be here in a year, whatever, you know, something along that lines. Got to the point where I got frustrated. I asked my wife, I said, do you think we can make this car last one more year? She's like, yeah, I think so. So then I went in and ordered a, a Rivian RS1, an R1S, the uh, all electric SUV. You know, because it was just so easy. Now, here's the funny thing. I've been, since I just did that like four weeks ago, I get daily emails from Rivian right now because they want me to be connected to the brand as I wait for the next year for my car to be built. Like that, that's an amazing process. So, you know, I think there's, sometimes there are ways that maybe our people, you know, you think of like dealerships, you, you know, you have your, your A salespeople, then you have your, your level B salespeople, then you have your level C salespeople, you know? And you just never know who you're gonna get, but I think we can make up, make up that experience with process, but I'd like to get your thoughts. That's true. There is people out there that are sales machines. I'm going to tell you a stat now that will probably shock you. That the biggest users in Snapsell are 40 years of age plus. Wow. Now, that's you wouldn't believe me. that, would you? You speak to dealers yeah. and they go, well, 
My staff are quite old, I don't think they'll use this. But a good salesman will use anything they've got and if it improves sales, they will use it. And we've got plenty of proven facts from people that are in their 60s saying this is the best tool I've had in my whole career of selling cars. Wow. So it does, it does make a difference. You know, as far as leads are coming in, I mean, we have a process where a lead comes in to us and we can send a video straight to the customer when the lead comes in. And what you're doing is, is basically, which you can't just do with an email or website, you can build the customer's expectations before they come. Hello, Mr. Customer, thank you for your inquiry, our organizer, etc. Or if it's in the day, please give us at least one hour to two hours of contact you back due to COVID regulations, etc. or whatever. Um, then you're building the customer's expectations, even down to we're going to welcome you, we're going to offer you refreshments, yes. we're going to value your part exchange, we're going to give you your best finance options, we are a company to deal with, look at our reviews, etc. That goes a long way with the customer because straight away they've been contacted to. Let's be honest, a video they say says 1.8 million words compared to a response, thank you for your inquiry, we'll come back to you as soon as we can. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that is the difference. I'll give you another example on the automation side. Um, we integrate with a, a lot of the e-commerce omni channels. Mm -hmm. um, when someone buys a car, for example, at night and they spend 50, 60,000, they expect a phone call at nine o'clock in the morning. That don't always happen. Now, that ain't always no. the dealer's fault. Because a dealer, because I come from the car business, is very reactive. Something comes up and you have to deal with it. But we send videos out to customers. Thank you, Mr. Customer, for purchasing your car. We really treat you as a valued customer. We will come back to you by the end of the working play tomorrow. We're just going through with the finance manager, etc. Check your car's all right and everything else. You've built the customer's expectations. Yes. So straight away, the journey's a good one, not a bad one. Yes. You know? Well, see, that we can process, I think, the reactiveness out of of the experience, you know? And I, you know, I think I look at like automation. I, I think this is the year of automation. I think anybody out there that's watching and listening right now, um, you know, if they're not utilizing some form of automation in, in, in their engagement, they're, they're, they're really truly, you know, missing, missing the boat because it, it keeps, it, it keeps me connected. You know, I, I'm getting these automated messages right now from Rivian about new and exciting and fun stuff. So I can get excited about it. But I, I, I feel connected to the brand in a way, you know, like so much so, like I ordered a hat for Christmas. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, want, I told my wife, I'm like, this is what I want for Christmas. Give me, give me one of these Rivian hats, you know? Um, but it, it, it's all comes down, that all comes down to process, right? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, who's a good product that does this very well? Amazon always keeps you updated, right? Yes, oh yeah, there okay. you go, perfect example. They keep, they keep you updated all the time. And you know, imagine at the moment, you keep your customers updated, but it's not automated. Maybe it's an hour, 30 minutes longer than what you expected, etc. Let me give you a perfect example of this. And we do this already, a service department. Uh, someone makes a booking online for a service. You send out a video of their expectations, where to come in the dealership when they arrive. Might be their first experience. What you are know, those if next they're steps? waiting, there's a great coffee area for them to have drinks and maybe there's some snacks, etc. there for them. But what about when the car goes into the workshop or the technicians pulled over the RO on Snapsell 
they get an automated video go your car has now gone into the workshop please be prepared for any information we may send you or a video if there's any repairs necessary See, that makes me feel connected to the You're process building expectations the yeah. customer's expecting it to come so what you what you're doing is is you're building a process with a customer with a bond a journey experience that they can't replace just by not being contacted mm -hmm. or a text and like you said not everyone does it bad. There's plenty of people out there who do it really good, but why can't we do it better? Oh, a hundred percent. And and I think, you know, by 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 really focusing on our people and our process, it removes the reactiveness that we have. And it's like you know, the only way we're going to become proactive is we process our way to proactive. Well, the 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 problem is we're all human. We all have bad days. Exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Look, there's going to be inconsistent. I, I I would say I was I was probably one of the as a salesperson probably one of the best people at follow up. But I still wasn't a hundred percent. I can tell you, I, I this is when you know you've got a great salesperson. I had a salesperson work for me. Actually, does my job now because I mentored him. Over <laughs> years, okay, but this guy, he would sell forty cars every month religiously. People would come in on his day off, and they'll go Spencer there. We go, I'm afraid he's off on a day off today. They go, so one of the other guys help you, and they and they'll go. Spencer's not here, I'm not buying a car. That tells you a salesman that cares because if they had a problem, he would he would pick up that problem, he'd go to the service department, he wouldn't just pass them to the service department, he'd sort it out, he'd even go and pick up their car if he had to because 100%. you know his customers was his, his, his pot of gold. Yeah. Uh, a bit like us as, as vendors, our customers to dealerships are our pot of gold and the dealerships, for example, their customers are buying their, their cars at their mm -hmm. pot of gold. And, We've got to remember, you know, the biggest thing about car dealership is retention, whether it's in sale or the service. And, and when we think of retention, I think the retention strategies have gotten, I must say, a little loose, I would say, in the last couple of years. You know, like, you know, we definitely have gotten loose in our acquisition because our inventory sells no matter what. But, you know, talk about it. The, the best time for retention is right now. Is you know this is the time that all right fine you may not be able to get them out of a vehicle right now but you know you have that conversation with them. I have a uh, Mercedes dealership. I was doing some consulting work uh, with them, and and they're like okay well you know we're calling clients and we're you know we're trying to get them out of their leases and into a new vehicle. So I'm like okay so this is a, an acquisition strategy right? And I said well how about you just flip it and turn it into a retention strategy? They go well what do you mean? I said I want you to call them and tell them not to buy a car right now. Don't worry about it. Don't buy a car right now. Okay, it's not a good time to do it. Prices are this, inventory is low, so on and so forth. But I'm gonna call you back in a few months, all right? And we're gonna put your order in then. Is that cool with you? They, they thought I was crazy when I told them this process. They're like, no, that's never gonna work. I said, guys, just give, give me one week, just one week. I wanna see what happens. In the first week, they had so many positive uh, conversations, they decided to commit to the process. So you know what I say on retention? Again, we have this. It's possible to send out videos six months before, especially a lease or a new car is up for renewal without relying on the salesperson to do it. Listen, I've had salespeople myself, and yep. I can tell you now, you give them a list and you'll go back and go, how's the list going? I've been really busy today, I've only called one person. Again, they may be busy, but you want something that's more concrete, okay? So, um, on retention, think about that. We, we know you make good money on these used cars, but they've been over overvalued, and then values are going to yeah. start decreasing. 
Okay. We're starting to see it a little bit. I mean, there's some them, markets, not so much, but yeah. I'm a 99% sure on this. A lot of them people in them used cars are what I would call welded to those cars for a longer Oof. distance than what they would have done in a normal environment. 100%. But if you bought a new car, you're, you're in a good position to change again. Yeah. You're going to be in a good position to change again because you bought the car not overpriced. The car is actually going to be worth a little bit more than maybe it was before. Yeah. So doing going back out with automated retention on the new car customers that are going to come up next year, the year after and the year after that, is where, you, in sales for sure, that's where the, the money's going to be. Oh, huge. In, in my opinion. You know, people may argue with me in that, but... No, no, but you you have to start having those conversations now to be prepared for what's, for what's to come. I mean, I was actually just working with a group and I was reviewing some of their CRM data and, and, and then I got into inventory just completely by accident and I was just looking at how many days on lot and how what kind of dollar amounts were in some of these vehicles. I was like, whoa, if you, we don't do something about it now, you're gonna have a problem nine months from now. Well, going back to when I run that group before, okay, that was one of the problems when I went in there, that lot of average stock. Yeah. Okay. I knew at that stage I had to sell quite a lot of that uh, loss because if I don't, it's going to just be more and more money <laughs> and I'm never going to sell more cars because I need to change that into cars that can sell. Because the way I used to value a car, I didn't pick up any any books or anything like that, mm -hmm. any blue books or anything in the UK they call glasses and cap, okay, and value a car. I've got an auto trader. If you're, if you're going to sell that car, you need to be on the first page. And I'd look at the car and then I'd write and value that car backwards on what you sell it for. So I know if I'm on the first page, I'm going to sell cars. I sold, I was selling between seven and 9,000 cars a year. Wow. Retail, not business, not fleet, retail to the end user. So I know there's some method in my madness when I think like that. Well, I mean, I, my concern right now is that we're getting married to these large gross profit per transaction and we're not taking deals that we should be taking now. You know, we're, we're holding on to stuff. No, 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 I can still get those. I can still get that big dollar amount. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm just concerned. We're going to, like, I think there's some, deal, there's some dealer groups I know right now are being proactive about it and are already starting to mark down some of their vehicles so they can move them. But some people get romantic. They get romantic about the cars. They, they do. I, I know there'll be some real, real top operators out there that know they've written into their financials next year probably higher write downs than what they've normally had in the last six, seven years yep. to compensate for that. Okay. But it doesn't change the fact that if I own these dealerships, I wouldn't want my profit margins to go down. And I know these owners won't <laughs> yeah. want their profit margin to go down. And fair play to them. I don't blame them. I think exactly the same way. And to do that, you're going to have to do more to sell a car. 100%. And if you don't have more engagement with the customers using videos, for example, or humanizing that experience, I think you'll find it tough. I think it's going to be really tough. Look, I, I know we went a little bit on a, a, a rabbit hole over there, but that's fine. I think if we go back to kind of our people, process, and now technology, let's talk a little bit about technology because, um, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like there's kind of been a fundamental shift lately on the way dealerships are approaching technology in a very, very, very positive way. I mean, I remember, you know, let's tell five, eight years ago, you know, a dealership would have 
this widget and that widget and this widget and that widget. And, and, and they could have five, 10 different widgets that you know, 500 bucks here, 200 there, 500 there, 750 there. And none of them communicate with each other. I see dealerships now are demanding more out of their technology, but I'd love to get your thought. I Listen, I see one thing. We've all been looking at this in, in, in the news and that's about Carvana. It's, it's sad if they go back yeah. up for the people that are employed there because at the end of the day, the people are gonna lose their livelihoods, right. But as a car dealership, what people didn't realize was the average car dealer groups, they did, Carvana didn't think they'll catch up with them so quick. And I think COVID has killed Carvana because they were on their own originally, selling online pretty much. No one really bought into it. The car dealerships have done a great job by picking that up pretty quickly. And now Carvana ain't selling so many cars because they can go to any dealer they want and buy it online. They can get it delivered. A lot of them are offering their money back after a certain amount of days, etc. So they've moved their tech on so much during this time because they've had to. I mean, COVID's a perfect example. Yep. They had to go virtual with their customers to sell to people, but they were selling plenty of cars without people coming in the dealership. That's proven. 100%, 100%. I think, look, I think dealerships now, I call this, so when I think of a dealership, I think of all the different technologies that they're using. Uh, I like to reference what I call the, I call it the dealership stew. You know, I got a CRM here. I got a dash of a website here. I have my video app over here. I have my engagement platform over here. I have text servicing, all these different things, right? And it all kind of comes up with a stew. I like stews. I don't know if you like stews, but I do. And, but, but you know what? The stew, they all have pretty much the same ingredients, but it's how, it's how you kind of mix it all together and make it work is what makes it taste really good. And I find dealerships are becoming more and more aware of how their technology stew is tasting, not only for themselves from an operations perspective, but also how does it taste to their customers? You know, this I made this commitment to this company, to this company, to this company, to this company, to this company. I created my tech stack, I call it the stew, but I created this tech stack. How does that taste to my to my customers? And I would like to get your thoughts on how do you think that's gonna change over the next few years? Well, obviously, we know that the less there is that can do the job, the happier they're going to be. Yes. There ain't no ifs or buts about that. But sometimes you you can't replace quality with someone else who's got a product because it's in one dashboard that does quite the same thing. Unfortunately, that world is never going to happen. We know there's, not going to mention any names, but there's plenty of CRMs out there think, oh, well, that works well, let's try it. And they make a basic... What I like to say is like buying a basic bread and butter car and having a Rolls Royce. You know, what do you want to use when you sell to your customers? A Rolls Royce? Or what do you want to use something that's just bread and butter, just gets the job done? And just getting the job done isn't always the way. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, here at Snapsell, we use Outlook. Outlook. Yep. We have Microsoft Teams. We don't use it. We use Zoom because it's a better product. It gives a better experience to the customer. It's more reliable. We know with, with that, it's, it's gonna be a better experience right through for the customer. So I know they wanna reduce, I know they wanna reduce their products uh, and different things, but that don't always work. But they're gonna have a general set they need. They're always gonna need yeah. a CRM. 100%. They're always gonna need a DMS. Um, and we do work well, well, believe it or not, there's countries that don't even use a CRM even now, okay? They are gonna 100% need a website as well. They're gonna need their chat widgets and they're gonna need video as well. It's gonna be part of their stack and they want something on reviews. You know, we have all, 
all the data tools and they all do a great job, everyone, the vendors, etc. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is they're getting a thousand leads in, they're converting to 7%. We need to think about more about what we're burning, not what we're selling. Yes. Now, if you've got better tools that with the video and you can up that to 20%, guess what? You don't need so many leads. No, I, I agree with you. I think um, I, I definitely have been uh, talking with a lot of dealerships and coaching them on, you know, like we need to stop counting leads and we need to start counting how many conversations we're having. It's what we because lose. 100%. Because we, we don't sell, you can't sell a lead, but you, you have an opportunity to create relationship and a conversation and ultimately well, my, make a my sale. My question would be this, whether it's an owner, general manager, a sales manager, GSM or whatever. If you've got 10 leads, would you rather they all convert to a sale or would you rather only one convert to a sale? Because what all you're doing really is being busy fools. Yep. That's, that's the bottom line of it. So I've always worked on that. I've always worked on it's not what I'm selling. Even if we, I'm having phenomenal time, whether it's with Snapsell or whether it's with, um, you know, in the car industry, you know, Snapsell's been in the Inc. 5000 this year and we're in the Inc. 500, we're in the magazine and everything. And we didn't make that growth by losing sales. And we may not, we wouldn't, we definitely haven't got the kind of leads that car dealerships get, but we, we work on those leads and we work mm -hmm. with them properly because we don't want to be busy fools. We want to make partnerships. We want to make sure that that's right for the dealer, etc. And that's what you've got to think. You've got to think, well, how do we change our process? We've got a thousand leads coming in, then thousand leads for arguments sake, it's costing us a thousand dollars. We could reduce that to 700 leads and it's costing us only $700 and we could get this product and convert more. The salespeople are gonna have more free time to spend more time with the customers mm -hmm. because we all know selling a used car, I don't know the stats on this right now, if I'm honest, but you know, I'll go from the UK from when I done it. Selling a used car takes 45 minutes to an hour, selling a new car takes two hours, two and a half hours. Sure. Okay, but that allows them and they're gonna need this more time to spend with the customer. That used car's 45 minutes, you're gonna to to spend an hour and a half on that. Oh, because you're gonna to have to do some videos and everything else. Yep. You're gonna to have to spend a little bit more time to get your money. And this is why what you have to do is just fine tune what you've got. And leads are paramount coming in, I agree, but there's no point having uh, well, 930 leads that you've worked on, made phone calls, which is all a cost, mm -hmm. and then all the time it's taken to contact them because we're not handled them correctly. The truth is, if you're not handled them correctly, you've got too many leads. Oh, well, exactly, and that, and that really does sum up kind of what we're talking about, people, process, and technology, right? And it's like when we uh, really spend our time in crafting out strategies around those three, all right, documenting real processes around around our operations, then I don't care what's coming. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna handle the storm no matter what. You will if you got the right process in place. You bring the leads, you nurture mm -hmm. them leads more. If Ideally, if you've got a thousand leads, you might need more salespeople. <laughs> yes, okay, true. so you deal with them correctly. But if you, it's very hard to get decent people right now. And when this storm comes, I think there's going to be quite a lot of people out there that don't turn into the salespeople that people thought they were during the time when it's not been a, a difficult time to sell, really. You know, when I've spoken to dealers buying a car, well, take it or leave it uh, because we'll sell it anyway. Yep. I mean, well, I've, 
you feel welcome. Oh yeah, that's, that feels like an amazing experience. It sounds like you had the same experience. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely had the same experience. Well, look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation. I'm sure we can jam about this a bit more because we're headed right into a traffic jam, which is perfect timing. Uh, but for everyone out there watching and listening right now um, and would like to connect with you and maybe learn a bit more about Snapsell, even you know follow along with your journey now since I know you have a new TikTok account. Twitter. Uh, yeah, no, Twi- well, uh, well, I've got a new Twitter account <laughs> called CEO Connects. I think that's the name of it, according to our mark. Uh, head of social, but um, Shout we out. can come back. We can come back to you on that. But listen, I'm on LinkedIn anyway, so you yes. can just connect to, to me and ask me a question. You know, awesome. Remember, all these things are just my view. You know, your view. Everyone has different views, uh, but we've got to be prepared. Just like as a snap, so I'm preparing if a storm comes in for myself. Yep. You know, so I have to prepare and I, I, you gotta know what you're doing. And now's the time to do it. While the sun's shining, get it done. That's the time when to the prepare. rain comes, it's too late because then you gotta train, get it in, you gotta train people and everything else and you've lost six or nine months. Just gotta be reactive. Hey Brent, thank you man so much for taking the time jamming. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.